T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. 971 FM Talk Podcast. It's time for your favorite show. The Weekend Report is on the radio. Thank you, Perry Woods. Yes, indeed. The Weekend Report is on the radio, and we certainly appreciate you joining us for it. Tony Colombo here in studio with producer Carl Middleman. Hello. Once again, in for Frank Ladd, who is special. Is special. He's on assignment. And. Scheduled to be back next week? Yes, he is. All right. There you go. Well, wait a minute. No? I don't know that answer. I don't answer. know. Because <laughs> <laughs> no I, I think he's Roger Brand no again one next does. week. Oh, son of a... So, yeah, you might have me again. <laughs> that's that, that's fine with us. Because and I'm doing the Mark Cox show all next week, so I'll, and then I'll be here on Saturday, There too, you go. So. And Chris Arps, my partner, is once again... Connected via the modern of Marvel technology, the Marvel of modern technology. That's how you say it. Yes. There at the Arps compound, under fifty feet of steel and concrete. How are you, my friend? I'm doing well. How are you guys doing today? Oh, doing well, doing uh, good. We got a great show lined up for you in a little while. We are going to talk to Texas Congressman Jody Arrington. Looking forward to that discussion. We'll have that discussion uh, almost exactly an hour from right now as we kick off the second hour of the Weekend Report. Lots to talk to the congressman about. Lots to talk to you about, Chris. Um, This was the week of the DNC. And it was weird because it was virtual. What did you think? Well, I tell you, I probably watched, oh, of all the four days, probably an hour of the coverage. Yeah. Kamala Harris's speech I fell asleep on, literally. Barack Obama's Mm. speech I fell asleep on, literally. I stayed up and watched Joe Biden's uh, teleprompter uh, read speech. But it really wasn't compelling at all. You know, the thing that's really been amazing to me is, you know, the day after uh, the convention on Friday, you were seeing all of these glowing reports about Joe Biden's speech. How it was one of his better speeches and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, how hard is it to read a teleprompter? Yeah, you know, that's the same criticism that we had for uh, for Barack Obama. He was supposed to be this great orator because he could read a teleprompter. But, uh, yeah, the Democrats wrapped up their convention this week. Next week will be the Republicans. And I'm going to go out on a limb here, Tony, and say that the Republicans' uh, convention will be a lot more entertaining than the Democrats. You know, the Republicans do have the benefit of going uh, second this this year. And, you know, the Democrats, everybody has kind of dealt a bad hand 
this you know, going into this year, not being able to have a convention in person and having to do this virtual thing. So, yeah, I hope from an entertainment, uh, not even entertainment, just from a compelling standpoint, just from like keep me watching. Like it was so dull, I thought, the DNC, that it made it difficult to watch. You don't have to entertain me with politics, but if you're a, if you're just boring, then you're not going to get your message across because nobody's going to stay tuned. Did you feel like you were watching a telethon? I did. I did. <laughs> it did I did. You? And like I didn't pick up your phone and make a call and make a donation of ten dollars or five dollars or something. And it just doesn't. It doesn't seem sincere. And again, I know this is not their fault, but it just doesn't seem sincere when you keep cutting to pre-recorded statements made by people in their living room or on their back deck or in their backyard. You know, like that. That not being in front of people, not all being together, not being able to build excitement, just like here's another recorded <laughs> segment from another, you know, strange location with a different background and nobody's there. Like it just I want to get boring. you and Carl's opinion. At the end of Joe Biden's speech when uh, Kamal and her husband came out on stage and the families, did you start hearing the Brady Bunch theme in your head when they were waving at the <laughs> at the uh, TV monitors? I mean, that was so hokey. It was like, come on, seriously? Yeah, I just. <laughs> so what can so what can the Republicans do to make it more entertaining? You know what? I think you can't have, uh, you know, big gatherings anymore. But I think when you have some of these speeches and stuff, that they should have a small audience. Yeah. Have somebody there. I mean, you can't have 10, 15,000 people, but have some people there so that it looks kind of spontaneous, that it doesn't look all taped and fabricated. That would be my might be my suggestion. You know, a lot of late-night television shows or game shows, things like that, are taped in front of, like, 50 people, you know? Yep. And it yep. sounds like a big audience. Mm -hmm. That's true. That's a good point, Tony. And That's what they should do. Yeah, you could do something like that because it just, whoo, it... it <laughs> It was not. It was not very interesting. What did you think about the? Um, uh, did anybody? You know, usually when we walk away from these conventions, like in two thousand and four, everybody walked away and said, "Wow, Barack Obama, he's a superstar." You know, he's this up and coming. Um, uh, two thousand eight. No, two thousand four when he spoke at the DNC. Oh, oh, oh yeah. yeah, when he wasn't even a candidate. Right, right. When he was the senator, I guess still, and he spoke at the two thousand four DNC, and everybody went, "Man, this you know this guy is a rising, rising star. star." And um, in two thousand in two thousand eight, it was Bill Clinton because that was right after uh, Barack and Hillary's you know contentious primary, and you know will the Clintons and the and the Obamas be able to get along? And Bill Clinton brought the house down. At the 2008 DNC, um, you know, you have and you, you have these moments usually stepping away from these things. But I don't know. Were there any were there any moments? Were there any things that we'll remember? Like we remember those other convention moments where we go back and we say, man, this speech, you know, this this was a big moment for so and so or a big moment for the party. I, I didn't remember one. Do you? I really can't give an honest assessment, Tony, because honestly, I watched three speeches, yeah. and two of them yeah. I fell asleep on. Right. The rest of the convention, I didn't watch. So, 
if somebody did have a breakout moment, it's been a silent breakout moment because I haven't heard much about it in the mainstream press. Mm-mm. What about this idea? What about all the, the, the Republicans that spoke at the DNC? Did they land any legitimate damage to the president and the Republican Party? With no, their, I don't you think, know, crossing I don't think over. So at all. I mean, Kasich and and all of these people weren't going to vote for uh, for, <laughs> no. for Donald Trump no. anyway. I don't see them uh, motivating any Republicans or fence sitters or never Trumpers to vote for Biden. I think this was just uh, TDS Trump derangement syndrome on display. And this was one way that Kasich and Powell and all of these others could get in a dig at Trump by speaking at his rival's uh, convention. Uh, Looking forward to the RNC, it's interesting to see that uh, the McCloskeys are going to speak at the RNC. What do you think of that move by the Republicans to have the McCloskeys speak? Um, Good move? Oh, it's a brilliant move. Yeah. Because as you'll hear, usually you don't hear politicians being openly uh, blatant about their strategy. They'll do things to show what their strategy is, but they won't say it. Well, that's different with President Trump. President Trump says, I need suburban women. This uh, this initiative that I'm doing appeals to suburban women. So his people have told him that he needs the support of uh, suburban white women. And I think having the McCloskeys on there talking about how fearful they were of, of, of mobs invading their home and their neighborhood. I think they put a real highlight on that security mom um, aspect of the campaign that they want to uh, really push hard. What did you think of uh, the chairman of the DNC, Tom Perez, after, um, uh, I think it was after night one, maybe after night two, when they were talking about these virtual, um, uh, uh, having it virtually and, you know, the, the problem of not having it in front of a live audience. And he was talking about how, well, you know, we got to, ha- you know, it's dangerous to have events in front of a live audience. And he said, ask Herman Cain's family about that. I just thought, Ooh, holy yeah, cow, Tom Perez. Like, are you kidding me? Ask Herman Cain's family about the dangers of having in-person events. Yeah. And what makes that? How, how out of bounds is that? Yeah, and what Rick makes that even more particularly offensive to me as an African American is because you'll see white Democrats and Hispanic Democrats, Democrats in general, that will try to put a a guilt trip on you if you're an African American that doesn't uh, subscribe to their philosophy. And I think that was it was a dig at uh, Herman Cain's being a Republican. And mm-hmm. being in our camp more than anything. And it just shows to me just their hypocrisy. They're supposed to be the party of compassion and diversity and all that BS. But they're just as political and cutthroat as anybody else when it comes to uh, uh, seeking and attaining well, power. How about hashtag wrong Trump? I mean, that that also explains exactly what you're saying. It proves exactly what you're saying. The party of compassion you know, is is promoting this, well, not directly promoting, but certainly not doing anything to stop the hashtag wrong Trump, which was trending worldwide after the president's brother died earlier this week. And we had all of these uh, uh, liberal commentators saying things like uh, the Grim Reaper took the wrong Trump and enough to the point where it was it was that the hashtag was trending worldwide. That doesn't sound like the party of compassion. <laughs> 
No, and it's like I said, it's Trump derangement syndrome, and it's one of the reasons why they're going to lose uh, in the fall because they're totally focused on their hatred of Trump. And, uh, you know, the little bit of the Democratic invention that I actually watched, um, I didn't hear a lot about their proposals or, their, or what they want to do for America. It was videos of people wearing their victimization on their on their sleeves like some kind of badge of honor and a ba and a bash Donald Trump fest. I didn't hear what the mm -mm. Kamala and, and uh, Joe wanted to do for America. It was way more of a we're not Donald Trump message than here's what we're going to do for you message. Mm -hmm. And it's just a fishbowl that they live in, Tony. They they believe that Twitter is the real world, and they believe all of their friends that they see at the cocktail parties or wherever they hang out socially, they believe that the whole country believes like they do. Yeah. And I've said this many times here. I think the election uh, on November 4th, I think there's going to be a lot of liberals, if we have a result, there's going to be a lot of liberals that are going to wake up on November 4th and say, how in the hell did Donald Trump win? Nobody that I know has voted for him. <laughs> That's such a great point. Such a great point. All right, we've got a lot more to talk about on today's show, a lot more issues, stories to get into uh, that happened this week, and also as we look forward to next week in the RNC. But first, after this first break, um, I want to talk to – I'm going to bring my uncle on. And why are you bringing your uncle Uncle Joe? On? Uh, uncle Jim. We're going to bring oh, in Uncle, uncle Jim. Jim. Okay. Randomly, right? Um, no, uh, my uncle just <laughs> had a very serious battle with COVID and spent almost a week in the hospital and on a respirator a, and everything. No, he was on oxygen, but not oh. on a not on a ventilator. Um, and has a very compelling story to tell. And we've talked to on this show people like Mike Ferguson and and others that have dealt with this coronavirus and i think it's always you get so much more information so much more insight when you hear the personal experience of somebody who has battled this disease that doesn't have anything you know that has no political message in the game you know, it's not like uh, firsthand account. Yeah, it's not like Chris Cuomo getting it and then staying <laughs> on TV every night and trying to make it part of his uh, part of his show. This is, you know, just to hear from real people that deal with this virus and how it affects them and, you know, what the symptoms and everything are really honestly like. I think that that is the people that those are the stories that we learn the most from and get the most insight um, into this uh, terrible virus. So, And I have a question already. I wonder if he was on hydrochloroquine. There you go. Well, we're we're yeah. going to get into all of those questions. We'll, we'll talk to my Uncle Jim, who just, thank God, recently got out of the hospital and is uh, turning the corner in his battle with coronavirus. We'll talk Not to, Uncle Joe. Uncle not Uncle Jim. Jim. Not Uncle Joe. Uncle Jim. And we'll talk to him next on The Weekend Report, 97.1 FM Talk. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com.
Welcome back to the Weekend Report, 97.1 FM Talk. Tony Colombo here in studio with producer Carl Middleman. Hello. And my partner Chris Arps continues to practice proper social distancing. And he is somewhere in the metro area under 50 feet of concrete and steel hidden in the Arps compound protecting himself and his I'm family. You, oh, you do? I don't you think that, I don't think that's necessary. But we'll <laughs> actually... Well, I don't know. Well, you know what? We'll get some insight on that here in just a in just a minute. We were just talking about uh, my uncle Jim, who just uh, had a very scary battle with COVID nineteen. We're going to talk to Uncle Jim in just a second. Also, want to remind you that coming up a little bit later in the show, we are going to talk to Texas Congressman Jody Arrington, and we are going to talk to State Rep Nick Schroer who is in the news dealing with some allegations made against him uh, and his, uh, his, his residency. And the people running against him, the Democrats, are saying that he uh, shouldn't even be allowed to be on the ballot in November. Chris, I don't know, how familiar are you with uh, what uh, State Rep. Schroer, who's uh, you know, been on this show many, many times, uh, this uh, controversy that he's dealing with? Have you, have you seen that? In the news, yeah, yeah, I read a little bit about it on on Friday. I'm not surprised. Nick is a uh, high profile in the uh, in the in the state legislature. He filed a a very controversial abortion rights bill or abortion bill, which is a the holy grail of the Democratic Party. So I'm not surprised that uh, they've put a target on his back. Yeah. So we will give uh, we'll talk to Nick Schroer and see uh, what his response to these allegations against him are in a little bit. Uh, But like I said, right now, joining us on the phone is my Uncle Jim in Chicago, who I love dearly. I named my he's the namesake of of my son. And uh, um, uh, we were all very scared for a, a, a few days earlier this week when Uncle Jim was in the hospital dealing with coronavirus. So uh, it's great to talk with you, uh, Uncle Jim. How are you? Hey, buddy. Day by day, getting a little bit better yeah. here and there. Wow. Counting down, the, counting down the symptoms as they go away. I'm down to coughing and just really, really tired all the time. Man, so yeah, just um, uh, we'll we'll ask questions as we go through here. We have you know ten, twelve, fifteen minutes, however long it takes. Um, but uh, can you smell anything or I, taste anything? <laughs> right. So, <laughs> as I mentioned, uh, as I told you, Jim, on the phone earlier this week, we've had several people on the show in the past that have dealt with coronavirus, and I think that. The real information and what when people really learn what this virus is all about is when they hear from people personally that have dealt with it, because, you know, the news media just seems to have mixed messages and you never really know what to expect. So I I appreciate and I think many of our listeners appreciate just the firsthand account of uh, dealing with this virus. So start from the beginning and tell us how you it it started and you realize that, uh, you know, this was what it was. You know, I was just a, a, it just started with a light cough. That's all it was, mm-hmm. coughing up a little bit of stuff, but it wasn't a big deal. And uh, I run my own office, and uh, there's only two other employees in there, and one of them happened to be coughing, I noticed, at the same time I was. And uh, it went on for a few days, but I wasn't that bad. Third day, I started to get a little worse. and uh, But then uh, <clears throat> it was a Thursday I woke up, and I couldn't breathe. I could not breathe. I couldn't speak a full sentence. I couldn't get anything out. And I started 
coughing really bad and uh, called the doctor. And uh, they kind of walked me, walked me through some questions. Main thing is, you know, they, they did a, a, a word test. They're like, we're going to have you talk now. And I couldn't get out three words without gasping for air. Wow. So, so that was the test. Um, how many time, How many yeah, words can yeah, you were, say? Because you know, I, I was on the phone with the doctor, and uh, they were like, okay, we got to check your breathing and everything. How many words are you getting out? Start saying this. And I stopped at three and started uh, gasping for air. So uh, they said, we're going to get you to the hospital. They said, you got a choice. You can call an ambulance or drive. I drove. I shouldn't have. I was really dizzy. But uh, they, they, they knew I was coming to the emergency room. So when I got there, they threw me in a private area, and then they, they wheeled me through to uh, the emergency part where I had two doors to go through. and uh, I mean, two doors to get through to my room. Mm. And uh, they, they, they did the COVID test, but the problem was, I mean, you're in a hospital. You think it's all good? Uh, they were almost out of the rabbit test. So they were only giving those to the uh, uh, the people going into surgery. And they had another test that they were out of. And so I sat in the hospital. Well, I was in the hospital for seven days. It took four days to get the results, you know, uh, results back. So the uh, problem with that was, in the meantime, they couldn't treat me with, like, they were they were done using the – Hydra, hydroxychloroquine, hydroxychloroquine. There you go, buddy. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm so used to hearing the word protocol when I was in there, <laughs> and uh, the ZPAC. And they were they were done using that, which I asked about right away. But uh, the doctor said um, both of those have uh, the the heart issues, mm-hmm. and so you know as side effects, and they were. Uh, having people, I mean, when the doctor just, she said, I'll be blunt with it. We had people passing out and dying. Wow. So I said, uh, yeah, never mind. Uh, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> they, they do a lot of blood tests. And uh, I sat in this private room for like six hours while all the blood tests came back. And then they send them to a, uh, uh, what do you call the like infectious disease experts. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then they decide my treatment. And since they didn't have the COVID back, they couldn't give me what they would normally have hit me with right away because it treats the symptoms is that uh, remdesivir. Yeah, the remdesivir. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I kept I asked about that. I said, we can't give it to you because we don't have your results. So, yeah. So they so they knew they essentially knew from the blood tests and everything that this was this was coronavirus. This was COVID-19. But since they didn't have the positive test. See, this is the kind of stuff you don't hear on the news, you know. Um, I learned so much, but uh, there's other things in your blood that they say are, if they're high or low, that is an indicator of coronavirus. And one of them was something that has to do with, uh, it's a protein that carries iron. And uh, it was the uh, indicator of inflammation in my lungs and other parts of my body. And the the, the markers on that were somewhere between one, 150 something and, and 300 something. Mm-hmm. And my results came back at over 1,500. Wow. So they knew. They knew that you had coronavirus, but because yeah, you didn't have the positive uh, test, they couldn't treat you with the rims demosphere. Right. Or, or so they other. hit me hard with, uh, they got me with uh, three big um, IV shots of uh, antibiotics. 
and a huge uh, IV shot of steroids. And then they took me to my uh, isolation room. Mm. So, talking and to, it took uh, about a day and a half before I was off of oxygen, where my uh, oxygen blood oxygen levels were good enough. They took me off the oxygen, and uh, I was breathing on my own, and and uh, just had to continue to do all those shots. Yeah, and you can't really. You're so exhausted, you can't move. So they gave me over the time I was there, I had ten shots in the stomach, all oh, for uh, to keep some drug to keep me from having blood clots. Wow. So. We're talking to my Uncle Jim about his uh, experience with coronavirus. Chris, I know you have a question. Go ahead. Uncle Jim, before we get started, Cubs or White Sox? Sox. <laughs> Sox, Socks. all right. He's a Sox right. guy. Like He's a Sox guy, yep. Like <laughs> Even though I'm up in Chicago, I still listen to you guys on the dot-com app. <laughs> that, I'll tell you. That's awesome. <laughs> Go ahead. I'll, I'll so, tell you, man. Uh, so were you, I moved so up were, here. Oh, Go ahead, Jim. I moved up here, and uh, I couldn't couldn't become a uh, Cub fan. <laughs> yeah, because he's from St. Louis, but he's been in Chicago now for decades. Go ahead, go ahead, Chris. So, Uncle Jim, when you were in the hospital, were there any times where you felt that, you know, I may not recover, or this is a little worse than I expected, or was it just a a bad situation? But you know, you were going first to get day. better. First day. No, no, I, those thoughts, yeah, I had those thoughts for sure because uh, I'm a high risk. Uh, I have a little bit of asthma and uh, high blood pressure. Mm. And, and so it was really hitting me hard with uh, not being able to breathe, and uh, my blood pressure was up, and uh, they were trying to control that. But believe me, that was running through my head the whole first day. And uh, and we, uh, were, we were able to joke about this when we were talking the other day, Jim, uh, but tell them uh, the – the questions that you got on that first day, the, 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 or the, I guess the, the first wasn't a question. It was an experience. And then a question. Yeah. Which would, this would, this would freak anybody out. Yeah. I have one nurse that came in when I was in emergency room and I was really, really bad. She asked me if I was a person of faith and I said, sure. Yes, I am. And, uh, she said, do you mind if I pray over your body? Yeah. And she, uh, said prayer for my body and, and things and uh with me and uh then i got to my room and nurse came in and she she had some other more questions and she said we got to ask some of these questions and uh but one of them was uh, do you have a living will and i said yeah and she said well can you get, have somebody get it here by tomorrow get it get us a copy by tomorrow <laughs> whoa yeah, that's enough. Side manner going on there. Yeah, you you want to know if he was thinking about? Do you the, have a DNR? Yeah, you, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that answers your question of whether he was thinking yeah, about the future. Was like, and I want to pray like, for you. Pray for your body, not for you. Yeah, and she was like basically saying, "I go, whoa, whoa." She said, "No, I, you know, I, I have to ask these questions in here." <laughs> Man, well, good for you, but not helping me. <laughs> So Jim, um, when were when were they able to? What was the um, uh, moment that they were able to let you out of the hospital? Do you have to get to a certain level of you know in these tests or whatever? Like when when did they yeah. send you home, and when did they tell you like you're gonna you're able to start going back out again? Uh, that, that's a good question. The uh, the expert, the infectious disease expert, super smart doctor, and he uh, I, I was had the pleasure of meeting with him three times and he was big on um uh not letting me out until my chest started to feel good uh hear uh sound good 
And mm-hmm. so he was big on that. Uh, he wanted my chest pains to go away. They finally did. And uh, that I was speaking fully, that I wasn't gasping for air and all that. And he said, uh, once we get you to that point, you can ride it out at home. And as soon as you uh, have a day with no symptoms, he said, then go add three more. They used to do like two weeks quarantine and all this, but now it's just a day without any symptoms and add three more, and mm. then you can go back to work, he said. Hmm. Uh, before we run out of time with Uncle Jim, Chris, you got another question? Yeah, Uncle Jim, do you have any idea where you may have uh, contracted yeah, COVID? It. Yeah, it was like my best friend. He said, you of all people, because I was really good. Stayed away from people. I didn't, you know, go places, mm-hmm. you know, and, and – uh, the only thing my staff person and I can think of is one of us picked it up, and we stayed away from each other in the office. So, I mean, as much as it's really hard to, to catch by by contact with a, a countertop or a doorknob, that's about the only thing we can think of. Because wow. I did a good job of uh, keeping away from people and keeping my hands clean and carrying sanitizer everywhere I went. You know, the other thing that I that I found fascinating when we were talking the other day about your experience is how locked down you are when you're in the hospital room that l- literally nothing can go outside that door. Um, Crazy. Any food, yeah. any paperwork, anything. Family. Yeah, tell uh, – uh, uh, explain they that situation. They brought in paperwork, you know, for and they, everything's verbal. I wasn't allowed to hold a pen and sign it. And uh, then they they had a couple pages wrong. I said, well, you know, just put what you have together and, you know, bring in the other ones, and I'll give the verbal on that. And they said, nope, it goes in the can. Took all that, about 15 pages, and threw it all in the garbage. And hmm. they, they brought me a few wrong juice bottles sometimes. And I'd say, well, bring back to the cafeteria. And they go, nope. And they throw brand new, not open juice, you know, in the can. Everything goes in the can. You know, they talk about the garbage and the PPE. Mm-hmm. I I couldn't believe how many cans of garbage they went through just on me, one guy. So Because every time they left my room, they had to take it all off and throw it in a garbage can that stayed in my room. <laughs> and and then they every time they came back in, they were all in new stuff. Man, that's so. incredible. Do you have any idea? Do you have any um, guess on how many people – were in the hospital with you that were with corona was there yeah, like a is, is, they uh they the pace was really picking up the nurse mm-hmm. said we are definitely on a second wave she said you know for a whole month we only had one patient in the whole hospital with covid she said now this floor that i was on was almost full and she said our entire icu is all covid wow she wow said it's really picking really picking up again and we we started this by saying you know it, it it's really important for people to hear a firsthand account because that's when you really get to learn about this virus and understand it was there right. when you when you got into the hospital did you think well i've been watching this on the news for months now i have a pretty good idea of what of of what coronavirus is all about how much different is the actual experience of dealing with covid than what you learn on television yeah, the, the stuff now I totally, I mean, I completely over that seven day period changed my opinion. Everything I've been hearing on different news networks is kind of geared towards their narrative. Right. And it's it's just not accurate at all as to what really they're learning about the disease and learning about how to treat it and everything. That 
stuff you're hearing on uh, different news networks is just it's again towards their narrative. It's not. Uh, it's so much of it just isn't accurate. That's unbelievable. Yeah. But is it better or worse? Yeah, good question. Is uh, it is it better or worse? They're learning a lot more than they're t- uh, in in the hospital. Is it better or worse? I'd say it's better. Yeah, good. That's I, good. That's good yeah. to know. Go ahead, Chris. One last I, question. I'm just wondering before you contacted uh, COVID, would you have taken the vaccine uh, for Corona? Ooh, good question. Absolutely. Yeah. Because I'm a, I was high risk, so I I knew I. I Absolutely. And when I asked the doctor about that, you know, because they're going to test me for antibodies uh, soon. Mm-hmm. And he said, it'll be very hard for you to get again. He said, almost impossible. But uh, I said, well, should I, can I take the vaccine? He said, he said, there's two main vaccines they're really looking at. I guess one is called uh, Moderna, I think. That sounds right. And he's uh-huh. not a big fan of that because he was saying 80% of the people in the trials are getting sick. But uh, the I one out that of Oxford yesterday. University. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's a big fan of that. He was talking about that. He said, uh, "If you have, uh, he doesn't know what they're going to be using yet, but if that, if you have access, he would do the one from Oxford." Wow, yeah, that's great stuff. That's my uncle Jim in Chicago. We hope uh, you're giving blood, Jim. Yeah, yeah, plasma. <laughs> Yeah, no kidding. Uh, so glad, uh, so glad that this is over with. You gave us all a little bit of a, a scare there, but um, thank you for taking some time and and letting our listeners know what it's like to experience this uh, coronavirus firsthand. And uh, I hope you get uh, all the way better really, really soon, buddy. Otherwise, thank you, bud. You good bet. to hear from you. All right, thank you, Uncle Jim. Thank you, Uncle Jim. Love you, buddy. Pleasure. Take care, guys. Yep. All right. We have got to take another quick break. We've got more Weekend Report coming up next. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to 97.1 FM Talk. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Welcome back to The Weekend Report, 97.1 FM Talk. Tony Colombo here in studio with producer Carl Middleman. Hello. And my partner Chris Arps is Yo. at home practicing proper social distancing. Uh, eye-opening stuff there from Uncle Jim. Uh, hey, Chris, I mean, like, it's really, I think, important for people to hear that uh, firsthand account of people who are dealing with coronavirus. Yeah, and he's not a Cubs fan, too, so he's a great guy. Yeah, he's well, a Sox he's guy. from here. He's from St. Louis. He's <laughs> hey, a I know fan. somebody that's from St. Louis, has moved to Chicago, and they are a complete Cubs fan. Yeah, so that well, doesn't mean anything. And I he, know people that have he, turned colder. Yeah, well, he grew up here in, in St. Louis, but I think he's lived longer of his life in Chicago than he than he did in St. Louis. But uh right. Yeah, he still couldn't bring himself to become a Cubs fan. <laughs> and so. he's your contemporary. Yeah, so we were talking to my Uncle Jim in that last segment about his experience with coronavirus, seven days in the hospital. 
um, you know, some scary stuff. Oh, just some, rewind it and hear it. Yeah, some important, uh, some important <laughs> stuff. If you want to hear that, uh, you can always, like uh, Carl just said, you can rewind live radio on the radio.com app, or you can download our podcast, which, of course, we put out every week. You can also get that podcast uh, on the radio.com app and just about anywhere else that you get podcasts. Uh, we made an on-the-fly decision here to uh, get our buddy newsmaker Nick, who makes news. He finds a way to make news kind of no matter what these days. He's uh, earned it this week. State Rep Nick Schroer. I also want to put a little disclaimer on here. We had uh, uh, Representative Schroer on Second Amendment Radio this week as well, which you may have heard just a couple hours ago. Yep. Here on 97.1 FM Talk. <laughs> and if you heard that interview and you're thinking to yourself, why didn't you talk to Nick about this issue then? Well, when we recorded Second Amendment Radio, this wasn't in the news yet. It hadn't, the allegations hadn't been levied against the representative and yet. And Nick would like it to so keep we it didn't, that way. Yeah, so we didn't, uh, we didn't know. We, it wasn't happening. So that's why we were uh, not able to talk to him. But we'll, so we'll have him back on again right now. Uh, State Representative Nick Schroer joins us on the weekend report. Uh, how are you? How are you, buddy? You hanging in there? Newsmaker. I yeah. am. Uh, busy as usual. We're down here in Branson at the uh, Republican Caucus. So, um, you know, you guys know just as well as I do, every time we do one of these interviews, I- I'm somewhere uh, in this state. And mm-hmm. I guess the Democrats are trying to take advantage of the fact that uh, I travel a lot and I'm willing to sacrifice for my family uh, so they can they can obtain the, the resources that they need even if it means I'm not sleeping there with them at night. So there are some news stories out there and some allegations being made by the Democrats, some Democrats here in the state of Missouri, that say that you uh, should not be allowed to run for re-election because uh, your family has bought a house outside of your district. Of course, people uh, uh, know, or if they don't know, the, the rules are you have to live in the district that you represent. <laughs> Um, so kind of explain to people what that situation is and, um, why, if, if you, I mean, obviously you believe so, but, uh, why are these allegations, um, are, are false? Well, you know, I've been 100% open, honest, transparent about not only, um, this process, but the, the nature uh, of why we ended up selling the house. And I'm, you know, now in, uh, living with a family friend that I've known for a while, uh, I, I look at her as an aunt, but um, the backstory to this is, um, you know, the school that my daughters go to, I've got two young girls, and if anybody knows anything about me, they are my life and soul. I would do anything to make sure that uh, they have a better life than I do. Um, so through this process, uh, we in, we found out after going to uh, some different, a different institution across the country um, that my daughter um, needed to get some resources from the school district. Well, she goes to a private school where family teaches at, family members go to, little cousins and go there. My nieces and nephews go there. Um, and since the the school district, or the school is in a different school district than where we were residing, um, that school district said, we can't help you. We can't provide these vital resources that this institution indicated that uh, my daughter needed. So we went to my school district and said, hey, you know, we're paying tax dollars here to get these resources and educational tools. Um, Can you all make the trip and and go provide these to her, even though it's in the Francis Howell School District? And Ford Zimwalt pretty much indicated, no, she would have to come to our school. And at the time, this was uh, last year and earlier this year, uh, she was in early learning, and this is a situation where Fort Zumwalt, my school district, 
does not offer full-time. So we would have to pull her out of the school where, where her friends, family are there going full-time with my, my hectic schedule. My wife is a nurse practitioner, her hectic schedule. And that was not something that we were willing to do that we could do. And we didn't think it was right due to the fact that we're expending resources out of our tax dollars and our, our child could not get those vital resources. So that, so Nick, that fired me up. Yeah. yeah so, go ahead. so I just because we only have a few minutes with you here, basically uh, you bought a house outside the district so your kid could go to school, the school district that gives them the resources that they need. And you right. decided to basically lease a living space inside your district so you could continue to live in the district and serve the district. Is that a, the, is that a fair That's, summary of your yeah, situation? Tony, that's spot on. That's okay. spot on. You know, I'm willing to sacrifice, even though I'm sleeping even tonight in a hotel room, uh, much of my years either in Jeff city or across the state. That's exactly what we're doing. My, my wife and my daughters had to move into that district so they could get those resources. I'm still able to pick them up from school, take them to school, eat dinner with them, and once they go to bed, I leave and I end up going to the house that I'm renting in the district to, to continue representing the good people of my district, mm. uh, an oath that I took. And, you know, and, and the obvious question that people are going to ask is, come on, you leave the house that your family's in to drive a few minutes and go sleep somewhere else. You know that that doesn't that doesn't hold water with me. What what is your response to that criticism? Well, you know, it's something that I've been doing for years, and going to Jeff City and serving the people uh, of House District 107. I've been doing that Monday through you know Thursday, some Fridays, January through May. Uh, all of the different conferences and things that I go to to help um, actually impactfully represent the people and the connections that I make across the country and the different conferences I go to. That's something that is not out of the norm for me. In Jefferson City, I sleep literally on a, uh, on a blow-up mattress. And here, this, the, the, the room that I have at uh, the house in district is a heck of a lot better than my living quarters in, uh, in Jeff City. And it's with family, too. Um, so that's something that you know I know that my opponent and the Democrats try to make an issue out of is that this lady who I'm living with is a family friend. She's my parents' age, and her mom, who is a pistol, I love her to death, um, that I'm living with them. Well, these are people that I consider family friends. It's not strangers. So I'm leaving where I'm not going to you know fall asleep with my girls, so to speak, but I wouldn't anyways. They're going to be in their own bed sleeping. Um, and I still see them in the mornings, see them at nighttime, eat dinner with them. This is a sacrifice that I'm willing to make to ensure that my daughter gets the educational needs and tools that she truly needs. A couple of minutes left with State Rep Nick Schroer. Go ahead, Chris. Yeah, Nick, people say that politics is a blood sport and that mm -hmm. it's not being bag. And I know you've been in uh, your second term. You understand that. How much do you think this attack stems from your uh, abortion bill from last session? Yeah. And uh, answer that, then I'll answer, give you my follow-up follow yeah. when I remember it. Try to make it quick. Well, I, we only have a couple minutes, Nick. Go ahead. I think, okay. it's, I think it's 100% based upon my work product and how effective I have been for the people of Missouri in standing up for our constitutional rights. Mm. Go ahead, Chris. And uh, what's it feel like knowing that a private investigator was following you around? Is that kind of creepy or what? <laughs> oh, it's incredibly <laughs> creepy, especially you know with uh, the situation that we've been in and preparing this new house for the girls to get involved with this routine uh, and fixing things up with the house, and you know me driving back and forth from whether it's my farm or you know in Fayette, Missouri, or uh, my wife's house, or to work or to my new residence, it is creepy, and uh, that's something that goes right in line with the Democrats' playbook. It's disgusting. I think it's immoral, and they're trying to make this a political game to try to chip away at our victories in November.
Just about a minute to go. What are some of the issues that you are currently working on? Well, big thing is crime. Uh, you know, these these violent murders and violent crime that's occurring throughout our state, it's in areas that have been controlled by Democrats for decades. And the fact that I'm calling this out, they're doing this to try to deflect attention from that or my other piece of legislation, which would allow the AG to come in and give the tools to Kim Gardner to prosecute these murderers. That's something else that they're trying to distract this with. So we don't look at their Democrat-controlled cities and how poorly they've been governing out there to the detriment of many, many Missourians. Now they're wanting you to focus on this red herring, which is it's it's disgusting. That is State Representative Nick Schroer. Thank you so much for your time today. I'm sure that uh, with this and everything else that's going on and all the things you're working on, we'll talk to you again real soon. Have a great weekend. Absolutely. Keep looking in God your rearview you. mirror, my friend. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> all right. That is Representative Nick Schroer, and that is going to wrap up our number one of the weekend report. Our number two coming up, which we will start with Texas Congressman Jody Arrington. You don't want to miss this conversation. You're listening to The Weekend Report on 97.1 FM Talk. Time for your favorite show. The Weekend Report is on the radio. And it is our number two of the Weekend Report on your radio. Thank you so much, Perry Woods, and thank you so much for tuning in to 97.1 FM Talk. If you missed anything in that first hour, it was a very busy one. Uh, We started the hour. We had a little bit of time to break down the uh, DNC this week and get into some of the issues. We're going to continue to tackle a lot of the stories of the week as we go through this second hour. Uh, We also talked to my uncle, my Uncle Jim in Chicago, who just had a very scary battle with coronavirus. And as we said, um, you know, you watch TV. Coronavirus coverage has been everywhere for months But you really don't understand the truth about this virus until you talk to the people that have had it and have dealt with it. We've had, you know, uh, guys like Mike Ferguson on the show in the past and others that have dealt with coronavirus. And I just always find uh, that when we talk, Chris, when we talk to somebody that has dealt with coronavirus personally, you learn so much more than when you're watching the news. Do you agree with that? Exactly. And he gave me a little cause of concern Because I was kind of like your uncle. I carry hand sanitizer with me everywhere. I'm always constantly washing my hands. I social distance. I wear a mask when I'm around people. And I felt that, uh, you know, that's what's keeping me relatively safe. But then hearing your uncle, you know, doing the same things and came down with it uh, gives me even more. uh, Yeah. Gives me even more caution. Yeah, yeah, to stay that social distancing and, and, you know, washing your hands. I think those are the most important things that we can do to keep ourselves safe. And also, I need a shower after talking to (laughs) him. Yeah, because he he was still coughing. Yeah, he's still coughing. Yeah. Oh, I thought you were telling me I need to take a shower. That would help too. (laughs) That's true. I thought that was a smell you from here. We also talked to State Rep Nick Schroer in that first hour. He is dealing with an attack by Missouri uh, Democrats saying that he is not even valid to be on the 
ballot in uh, November's election. And so uh, we uh, talked to him about that controversy that he is going through. So if you missed anything from that first hour, make sure that you download our podcast on the radio.com app. You can get our podcast anywhere you get podcasts. But we always recommend the radio.com app because it's free. It's one-stop shopping for the entire station, and which means you can stream the station 24-7. You can rewind live radio. And, of course, you can download the podcast of this and every other show on the station right there on the radio.com app. Got a very busy second hour, as I mentioned, coming up for you. We are going to dive back into the stories of the week that was. And, as we mentioned in that last segment, joining us now to start this hour is Texas Congressman Joe. Cody Arrington, very uh, honored to talk to you, Congressman. Thank you so much for your time. How are you? Greetings from West Texas. I'm blessed <laughs> and uh, I'm honored to be with you guys. Thank well, you, thank Tom. you. Thank you so much. So uh, question number one, the, you, you guys, the Republicans have uh, your convention coming up this week. We talked, Chris and I talked at the beginning of the show, kind of uh, gave our review of the DNC I would love to get your overall reaction from what we saw from the Democrats this week. Well, it's just another display of uh, people who are out of touch with what's Mm. going on in our country uh, and extremist policies that they're trying to polish up so that no one noticed. They have a backbench. You know, I mean, it was an awkward thing altogether, let me be clear, but in terms of the (laughs) substance— There were sideshows that they made sure were not in prime time where people were talking about gutting our systems, our economy, our values. I mean, it's just radical. And I just want America to wake up to what they're talking about. You know, before they whispered this stuff in the privacy of their meetings, um, you know, off the grid now, They're putting it on paper in the House under Pelosi, who's been co-opted by the left. Mm. And then you've got our cities across America burning because of the violent left. So we got to wake up, man. This is uh, this is the most important election in the history of our country. And Biden said it. Biden said that that this election will determine what America looks like for a long time long time and he's right he's yeah he's exactly right on that congressman the other thing that they the democrats sort of paint joe biden as is this um this moderate this guy in the middle that can reach across the aisle and and bring some folks with conservative values um you know over to his side would you agree with that assessment of the uh vice president that he is a moderate i would tell you joe biden (laughs) is is worse than a moderate that believes in in his in his ideals or someone on either side of the spectrum who has convictions that are thoughtful and personal and deeply held he's an opportunist he'll do whatever he needs to do which is the most dangerous place to be especially now because because i think in its case in point kamala harris is an extremist. I mean, she she's as liberal and has as liberal a voting record as anybody in the Senate, and in some uh, judgment to the left of Bernie Sanders and and Elizabeth Warren. I mean, she wants to reduce the consumption of red meat. She wants sixteen year olds to vote. She's uh, she wants to make America like like San Francisco. That should be enough for everybody to say, okay, I agree. You know, he's trying really hard to placate 
a, a, a fringe group that is, quite frankly, out of touch with the mainstream of the Democrats that I work with in, mm-hmm. in Congress. Talking to United States Congressman Jody Arrington. Go ahead, Chris. Congressman, great to have you on. Just for the record, I am a East Texas boy. I was born in Tyler, Texas. My father was raised in Tyler. My mom was raised in Atlanta, Texas. So I feel you with the uh, Texas thing going there, my friend. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I'm in good company, man. Tyler Rose. Yeah, I love I, hey, Errol Campbell. <laughs> I want to ask That's you, right. since the selection of uh, Kamala Harris and with the Democrats' convention, the talk of a, an additional stimulus COVID bill has kind of fell through the wayside. As we know, before the convention, um, Republicans and Democrats couldn't come to an agreement. Where is that now, and what do you see? Will there be a, an agreement in the near future here? Um, I do think there will be. Uh, that's probably the only thing we can accomplish before the election. And, and here's why. I mean, we, we, we really need to do some things, Chris, like— the legal liability issue would would really be more than a drag on the economy with the various uh, lawsuits around the country for folks who've been good faith tried to to do the right thing and reopen in a responsible way. We we you know there's a number of things to address. I don't think we need to spend the the trillions of dollars that are being bandied about. I think there are probably some resources, some gaps that we could address. But there are some big policies. Mainly, we need to remove the barriers to folks coming off of unemployment, going back to work as we're reopening, and extending that unemployment insurance where we're paying folks to stay on unemployment more than they did when they were working pre-COVID is a major mistake. But, yes, I think we'll accomplish something there. It'll be a negotiation like everything else. We'll spend too much money, but we'll have to to get some things that are imperative for our country to recover and for our economy to get back. And by the way, I think that economic recovery is going to be critical for this president in 2020. Congressman. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Chris. Oh, I was just saying, Congressman, you know, the Democrats try to tell us that, you know, those instances of people making more on unemployment than working are very, very rare. Do you have any numbers to tell us just how many people are actually making more money on unemployment than working? Chris, I'm glad you asked. Um, In West Texas, in my 29-county district, 75% of the 30-plus million uh, uh, on unemployment, and I'm talking about our portion of the 30 million Mm -hmm. in my district, 75% of them are being paid more today than they were, you know, when they were uh, uh, working. And and the national statistic is almost 70% across the board. So we, we never are cutting hear our that. nose off. Right. Yeah, yeah. No, that's right. And by the way, Pelosi and the Democrats wanted to extend it through January. Now I wonder why <laughs> they don't want people to go back to work, and I wonder why they want this economy to sputter along. But, hey, Chris, that's not the only thing they did. They decided that we should pay uh, cash assistance to people who are here illegally. They decided to talk about cannabis some 68 times in their bill bailing out uh union pensions i mean i could the, the list of uh, and the parade of horribles would would is enough to shock your listeners but i think they get the point it's a pure partisan you know extreme wish list and they're not working with us to govern for the people in a, in the midst of a national crisis it's 
it's pretty shameful in my opinion. Yeah, and and to to your point, Chris, and to Congressman, your point as well. Uh, some of these numbers are just absolutely unbelievable. Twenty percent of those on unemployment are making double what they would make if they were at work, and sixty-three percent of working Americans would make more if they decided to go. You know, if they could go on unemployment right now. Sixty. I mean, that's the 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 uh, incentive to be on unemployment right now is absolutely incredible, and we don't hear those numbers. Um, enough by the uh, by the mainstream media, Congressman. Unfortunately, we here in St. Louis are in one of those um, one of the big cities that we are, uh, you know, making national news for um, you know the rise in crime and for other you know unfortunate stories. Uh, one of which is something that you were have been personally involved with the situation here with our circuit attorney in the city of St. Louis Kim Gardner uh you are one of a group of congress people who uh, actually sent a letter to the uh, attorney general of the United States William Barr uh calling Kim Gardner a rogue prosecutor could you talk about uh why a congressman in West Texas is uh is is interested in um you know fighting for the people of St. Louis because if prosecutors don't protect law-abiding citizens and their rights, and if they fail to enforce the law, this whole thing falls apart. The wheels come off because a cornerstone of our democratic republic and civil society anywhere is rule of law. So when you have that symbol of justice, when you have that lead person to prosecute the bad guys and enforce the law— turning their sights on law-abiding citizens who have every right, God-given, constitutionally protected, to defend their property, their livelihoods, and their families, man, that is serious, serious business. And there's a federal nexus, and God help us if it pervades the country like the mobs. So I don't know which is scarier, the mobs showing up at your house to burn it down and to threaten your life, or a prosecutor to file felony charges because you are simply trying to protect yourself. And that's what's happened, obviously, in the McCloskey case and there with mm. Kim Gardner. And we need the attorney general to do something about it. And I believe he's the right guy to do it. Got just a couple minutes left with Texas Congressman Jody Arrington. Go ahead, Chris. Congressman, let's talk politics for just a moment. Uh, McCloskey, Mr. McCloskey is going to be speaking next week at the Republican convention. The president and the RNC has made no secret that they are looking to attract uh, suburban female white voters. How successful do you think uh, McCloskey speaking at the convention next week will help with that effort? Well, they, they a lot of folks use the suburban college-educated a mom of a young family as kind of the the sort of bellwether. And I think it's very successful, Chris, because I think safe neighborhoods um, is, is, is a top priority of these young mothers. And I think that this unmitigated, unaddressed mob violence where local Democrat leaders are cowering and letting them run roughshod over their citizens is the scariest of the extreme things that are going on while they're defunding the police and demonizing them. I don't think that resonates at all. And I think the more we can show that as Republicans, law and order and civil order and justice and domestic tranquility, I mean, these are basic 
things that people should expect from their government. And so I think it's I think it's a winning message. I like to say it's the right thing to do first, but it's a winning message. I'm surprised more Republicans aren't talking about it. Congressman, I don't know how well you knew uh, Congressman Lacey Clay, uh, congressman here in Missouri's first district, but how shocked were you at his loss? I, I can't comment on it because I don't know enough about that that district. Um, the the situation, I, Congressman, was it was another one of the um, uh, the more extreme, you know, the Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, Ilhan Omar, type. the squad type. Um, you know, sort of unknown, knocking off an establishment Democrat. And I think the larger point, the larger question there is kind of the direction of the Democratic Party and, and your thoughts on it uh, and the influence that um, that these, uh, you know, the, I, the, the, the name squad is so silly, but it is what <laughs> it's what everybody, you know, when you say that, though, everybody knows exactly what you're talking about. So you almost have to, to use it. But, uh, yeah, that that sort of squad influence on the Democratic Party and how they continue to g- gain power um, in elections like the one we had here with Lacey Clay. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, well, just for credibility, I know some good Democrats, and when I say good, they're patriotic. They have a different view of the role of government, but they're you know they're fine people, and and I'm proud to call them my fellow Americans. Now, let's be clear: those folks are fewer and fewer in the party, and mm-hmm. they're not in control. Mm-hmm. That's my they they the the smaller, the loudest, and craziest. Of the of of the Democrat Party, this left that we're talking about, they, they have the keys, and Pelosi's given them the keys. Look at HR one through HR ten. It's it's the government takeover of everything: elections, you know, agriculture, energy, healthcare. I mean, it's socialism. It's on paper, and we should believe them. And it, it and it is a party that's co-opted now, and uh, I'm not surprised that others are being intimidated and that monies are flowing to these folks. They're the darlings of the mainstream media. And uh, it's a, it's a problem. And we've got to be able to have a few courageous people stand up and call this what it is. It is socialism. It's Venezuela. And we will, and the results are destruction for those countries, for those people. And it's a corrupt and abusive government. And if you think the mobs, are terrorizing neighborhoods, and if you think that's something to be afraid of, and you think rogue prosecutors are a problem, wait until the left has the entire government to use as a weapon hmm. for anybody that stands in the way of what they believe. Last question, Congressman. What did, what do you what would you like the president and your party to focus on the message that you want to see coming from the RNC next week? No force in all the world, saving except the love of God. No force like freedom has elevated and unleashed the human spirit. And this country, this experiment in liberty and democracy has not only blessed its citizens, it's blessed the world. And like Reagan said, this doesn't just run through the bloodstream. You got to fight for it. Okay. And it takes one generation to lose it. And so I hope that they, they, they just, they say, we got to hold, we got to stand firm and that we've got to keep this country on the right side of history, and the arc should bend towards liberty and free people and a free society and free markets and law and order and peace and tranquility. And that's what we stand for, and that is obviously a contrast 
to what we're seeing, the outcome of the socialist policies in Venezuela and some of the things we're seeing in the streets of what were once great American cities, but I fear people are fleeing from them uh, and, 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 and daily in droves to get out of this chaos. Good stuff. Congressman, can you give our friend Louis Gohmert our regards? We've had him on the show in the past. <laughs> can you give him, his, give him our regards for us, from us? Please I do. Bet Louis, I bet Louis is adopted, has, is still adopting you as as his constituent, Chris. So <laughs> I'll do it. And, you know, and do I just it. found out, too, that my uncle knows him real well because I'm, I'm African Everybody knows Louis. And I, yeah. And I told him, I was like, I was like he's, I told him, he's like, we're friends with Louis Gomer. I was like, you know, Louis Gomer's a Republican, right? He's like, no, we love Louis. We don't care he's a Republican. <laughs> That's awesome. That's he's awesome. He's a great guy. He's a he great is. man. He's a great patriot. And he, and man, I don't know anybody that's got a deeper conviction about the things we've been talking about. So I'm honored to serve with him. And I'm going to tell him that his constituent, his displaced, <laughs> his displaced <laughs> constituent from from Tyler said hello and and God bless. <laughs> Congressman Arrington, thank you so much for your time today, sir. I hope we get a chance to talk again in the future. Absolutely. Thank you, Me too. Thank y'all. Yeah, you bet. All right. We have got to take another quick break. More weekend report coming up next. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to 971 FM Talk. Weekend Report, 97.1 FM Talk. Tony Colombo and Carl Middleman and Hello. Chris Arps all here with you. Big thank you to Texas Congressman Jody Arrington for spending some time with us in that last segment. Um, always great to get the uh, the uh, Capitol Hill opinion on uh, some of the things happening in the world. Right, Chris? He is, and he's a Texas congressman, so that makes him even better. <laughs> oh, there you go. I and love Texas. When there you, you asked him yeah. something he didn't know, he didn't try to BS yeah, through it. Yeah, he said, I don't want to comment on that. That's a good point. That's a good point. Uh, I, surprised, I, good. I, I was surprised by that because, you know, I know there's 435 people in in the House. You can't know everybody. But I thought with Lacey Clay being there 20 years and being beaten by a Mr. Squad member that yeah. he would be uh, fully aware of. That. Yeah, yeah, but good for him for not commenting yeah. on something that he uh, that he didn't feel uh, like he had the right information to talk about. Um, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, you can hit the rewind exactly. function at radio.com. <laughs> exactly. Uh, we've got a few minutes here to dive back into some of the stories of the week. And coming up in the next segment, we're going to talk to Gary Kelman, one of the new sponsors of the show that owns the sanitizer and mask wholesale store. That name basically says it all, but there's actually what a do they whole do? lot more. What do they more. sell? Yeah, there's actually a whole lot more involved with that store than, uh, than meets the eye. So we'll talk to Gary about that in a few minutes. Uh, first, Chris, one of the things I wanted to get your thoughts on, um, kind of pick your very political brain. You know, we had this vice president race, you know, who's going to be, who's it going to be. And obviously, you know, that Joe Biden has uh, ultimately selected Kamala Harris. What big names from the vice presidential sweepstakes, the um, Elizabeth Warrens, Susan Rice, uh, you know, that that list of women. 
Um, what which one of those do you think are going to land cabinet positions in a in a in a Biden administration? And and where where would they where would they serve? Who do you think is going to be? You know, they didn't they didn't win vice. They didn't get uh, selected as vice president, but they still have a, a an official role with this campaign. Do you see any of those? I do. Probably two people that I could see in the administration are probably. Um, uh, you think oh, Elizabeth? I can't, I, uh, Elizabeth Warren. Yeah, I could yep. see her in the administration. I could see uh, Amy Klobuchar possibly being in the administration, and then I could see uh, Val Demings mm. uh, somewhere in the administra- in the administration. The other two, I, I don't. But uh, yeah, I, I could. I think a lot of these people that were vice presidential uh, nominees were also auditioning for future cabinet spots as well. So the president had a little bit of a feud, uh, I guess still has a feud, going with uh, Goodyear after it was leaked by some Goodyear employees that they have a specific dress code, things that they are allowed to wear. Um, talking about Goodyear employees when they come to work. And um, according to these um, uh, these these leaked documents, uh, people that work for Goodyear are allowed to wear uh, T-shirts or hats or, you know, uh, have things that represent Black Lives Matter and um, anything that is LGBTQ pride related. Those are acceptable things to wear to work if you work for Goodyear. But unacceptable is a T-shirt or a hat that says Blue Lives Matter or All Lives Matter or even a Make America Great Again, a MAGA hat. Um President has then spoke out and said, you know, don't buy from Goodyear because they don't support MAGA. Um, I don't like that. I don't like the president taking it to that level. But I am very disappointed by a company that says you can wear a Black Lives Matter shirt but not a Blue Lives Matter shirt. I think you should be able to support both organizations, quite frankly. What do you think? Uh, I agree with you, Tony. You know, it was a little unsettling. The uh, president has a First Amendment right like all Americans. But it's a little unsettling of the president of the United States targeting a Fortune 500 an American company, company. Yeah, for I agree. ridicule. I agree. And I don't like. I don't like him saying don't buy from Goodyear. But I also don't like Goodyear saying, you know, you can wear a you can wear a Black Lives Matter shirt. And and and, and look, I think you should be able to wear a Black Lives Matter shirt. Right. I think you should be able to wear a Black Lives Matter hat. I think you should be able to wear LGBT pride. You know, whatever. But I think you should also be allowed to to have a Blue Lives Matter hat on or an All Lives Matter T-shirt on. I, I, that's, uh, but to what me, about the that's, MAGA? That's the problem. Well, the MAGA is different because it's politics. And if you want to have – if you're Goodyear and you want to have a policy and say, look, we don't want, um, you know, presidential po- – or, you know, uh, political messaging. Right. As long if you want to ban MAGA hats, as long as you're banning Joe Biden hats as well, that's fine with me. But you can't start saying one – side is okay and the other isn't that's where my issues come in yeah i'm just uncomfortable with the president you know taking sides and and basically commenting on personnel decisions of a fortune 500 company especially when goodyear i think they're based in ohio ohio is the state (laughs) that the president needs i think they have a major plan in michigan so from a political standpoint i don't think it was a very smart move but I'm with you on that, like a lot of the things that the president does, it gins up his base. And uh, if, th- if they're happy, then he's happy. 
want to ask you guys a couple of sports questions while we have ah. a few minutes left in this segment. Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs announced this week that they are going to allow fans <laughs> in the stadium up to 22% capacity, We, which, which I think uh, works out to about 15,000 fans will be allowed <laughs> in the stadium at Chiefs games. We see college football, uh, many leagues and, and teams are being shut down because of coronavirus, and the NFL is going the other way. Not only are they not <laughs> shutting down games, they are going to put people in the stands. What's uh, what's your reaction to that, Chris? I thought you were going to talk about the, the Chiefs' decision to ban fans from wearing headdresses. <laughs> we could go there, uh, too. The stadium, which we could is go what I was saying is absolutely ridiculous. We can go there, too, yeah. And I also, you know, football is my favorite sport, but, you know, we talked about it earlier. If they kneel and all that, I'm not going to watch it this year. Tony, I don't think I'm going to be watching football this year anyway. I don't think there's going to be an NFL <laughs> it's not season. Happen. I really don't. Well, the, the, apparently the Chiefs and the Dallas Cowboys and other teams think so because they are um, – they think that not only are they playing games, but fans are going to be in the stadium. And I wanted to, while we before we run out of time here, while we have Carl in the studio with us, of course, Carl works for the St. Louis Blues, but has, hasn't had a chance to uh, <laughs> no. to uh, ring the foghorn. Withdrawal. Yeah, I, I, I want to be in the bubble. Horn. I'm yeah. not allowed to be in the bubble, and I don't understand. Here's here's something I'm upset with the NHL. They've said that they that there's a home team, yet after every goal, doesn't matter who scores, they blow the horn and they do their goal celebrations afterwards. So it's not it's a neutral site, right? And every Every penalty is a power play. It's not a penalty kill. I don't know why the you NHL. Can't have home team and... If you're going to say there's a home team, uh-huh. make it seem like a home team. And yes, it's the home team gets the last change right. to put out the players. But for the people watching it, and they even have Jeremy Boyer playing the organ on the video screens when we are the home team, but we don't get to do what we would do on a penalty kill. So mm. I, I don't understand the thinking about that. Mm-hmm. And I tweeted about that. And a lot of people are like, yeah, I understand. Why? <laughs> NHL, no, they, they're not going to answer that. What do, and, you, what do you think as a as a Blues employee, but just as a hockey fan, mm-hmm. it, for me as a hockey fan, it's really hard to be engaged with this, you know, these games that Staying are being played. Staying up till 1230. <laughs> yeah, that are being played in Canada and in front of no fans. It just does not feel at all like hockey playoffs as and, yes it does Tony because August. we're about to be eliminated so it does feel like the <laughs> hockey playoffs. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> but you know we, you realize Chris like <laughs> I had to get that in there, 14 Carl. months ago we won <laughs> yeah that's right that's right yeah but def- what have you done for me lately I think we hear that in politics a well, lot and, and just like with anything with we were leading the west when everything shut down and yeah. so a lot of I know people that aren't aren't watching this. They're they're calling it the COVID Cup, and this doesn't count. This isn't real. Yeah, but it, it's what we have right now. It's hard for me to get into any of it, Chris. I don't know about you, but I like the baseball. Well, don't you wish the, the Don't you wish baseball would have done something of the bubble so the yes, Cardinals wouldn't have missed two weeks of games? I do wish that, but I also just as a fan, it's hard for me to watch with. You know, with no fans, cardboard nation. Yeah, uh, the the fake noise drives me crazy. Nelly I hate sitting that. behind home plate. Yeah, I I don't know. I just can't. And you know, and whether or not football is going to play or not, but if they you know are in front of empty stadiums, I, I just can't get into it. Yeah. I can watch baseball or hockey without any fans. I think those are sports that you can 
watch without yes. fans. Football, impossible. You need a crowd for that. But yeah. right. hockey, 12th, 12th I mean, man. you don't really need fans for hockey. You don't need know. fans for baseball. A lot of the times when you're watching those games, it's quiet. You can hear yeah. the puck banging against the boards. I don't know. You can hear the – you can hear the, the – uh, Yeah, the but you I- can hear them too, and you don't yeah. need to be it's hearing them. It's just different. It's just different for me, and I just can't – I just don't know. I just can't get I, – I, I can watch it, but not nearly – as be as engaged in it as I were uh, when there's fans in the stadium. And we got to hear break. cold beer, cold beer. Yeah. <laughs> you get to hear that real right. clear and loud. My favorite beer right. vendor. Does anybody here need a beer besides <laughs> me? <laughs> All right, we got to take a quick break. We're going to talk to Gary Kelman from the sanitizer and mask store. When we get back, don't go anywhere. You're listening to the Weekend Report on 97.1 FM Talk. Here comes a big note right here. And welcome back to the Weekend Report. Even socially distanced, he's acting like, oh, 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 I'm not paying attention. I'm just going to, oh, I'm going to hit the big note. (laughs) Did he? Yeah. Are you guys saying something? He, yeah. He jumped out of his chair. Chris Arps is the Chris Arps is the world champion uh, air <laughs> guitarist. <laughs> Just for that song. Though. Yes. Welcome back to the Weekend Report, 97.1 FM Talk. Tony Colombo here in studio with producer Carl Middleman. Hello. And my partner Chris Arps is practicing proper social distancing there at the Arps compound. And uh, we've had a great show for you today. If you missed any of it, make sure you download our podcast. You can get our podcast uh, just about anywhere that you get podcasts. But the Radio.com app is the best place to do so because you favorite the radio station after you download the uh, Radio.com app. And then you can stream the station 24-7. You can rewind live radio and you can download the podcast of this and every other show on the station, and it's all absolutely free. Uh, we talked to State Rep Nick Schroer <laughs> earlier about the issues he's going through. We talked to Texas Congressman Jody Arrington. We talked to my Uncle Jim in Chicago about his experience with coronavirus. So, And Chris and I had a chance to uh, break down all the headlines from the week. So it's been a, a packed show, and uh, you could get, the, uh, get it all in the podcast if you missed any of it. What are you laughing at over there? I was laughing because I've never heard the music being played this long into your monologue. Oh so yeah, he's letting it, it go. Made me, I like it. it back. I bit. like it. That's the jams. That's that. <laughs> that's that Perry Woods. That's that Perry Woods jam right there. And he gave it to us, so we it, it doesn't cost us anything. So, yeah, there you go. That's the most important. And uh, joining Carl, us, I've been telling people we're sending him royalty checks. Don't let the secret <laughs> out. Joining us now on the show is one of our brand new sponsors and um, I think uh, one of the coolest stores that I have discovered in the last couple of months when I walked into the mask and sanitizer wholesale store. Uh, The one I went to was the one in St. Charles and I got a chance to meet Gary while I was in there. And man, if you are looking for all of the stuff that has been hard to find, uh, masks in all different sizes, hand sanitizer, and especially for me, the disinfectant wipes that have still (laughs) not returned to most store shelves. You can find all of it and more at the Sanitizer and Mask Wholesale Store in St. Charles and in Fairview Heights. And uh, Gary Kelman, uh, the owner of those stores, joins us now on the phone. Gary, thanks for your time today. How's it going? No, thanks for having me. Just enjoying the beautiful day. Yeah, absolutely. 
So go ahead, Chris. Oh, I'm saying, Gary, you guys have wipes? Seriously? Yeah, they have <laughs> yeah, wipes. Yeah. Clorox yeah, wipes, said they weren't going out in 2021. <laughs> yeah, um, we we, uh, we just bought another large container of uh, wipes. They're flying off the shelves. I tell you what, that was what really caught my eye the first time I went in there with the fact that you guys had those wipes, and we I was able to finally – uh, get some. I buy some every time I am in there. But uh, yeah, so people that don't, um, that aren't familiar with the store, I know a lot of people are like me. They drive by one of these stores and they see the sign outside and it says sanitizer and masks and, and they think, wait a minute, I need all of that stuff. And they walk in and I think they're blown away. Uh, tell people uh, that haven't had a chance to get out to one of these stores yet what what you guys have, all the stuff that you guys have out there, Gary. Yeah, and that's why we, we argued with the expert that says don't name it sanitizer and wipes. They said to name it a different name. I said, well, why not? Tell the customer what, what we have inside. <laughs> right, so right. It's easy for people to understand. So oh, we, we, we were been told we have the largest selection in USA online or brick and mortar for masks. So we just got another 50 SKU styles in of masks that fit all different shapes and sizes of heads and faces. So uh, I think that's the value added of having a brick-and-mortar store for masks because people can come in and, and feel it and touch it, and then we sanitize it after that, obviously. Uh, you know, and find out what shape of mask fits and then what mm-hmm. style fits their individual taste. So a lot of styles of masks, and we got different types of face shields and many different types of sanitizer also and wipes, of course. Maybe we should have named it sanitizer mask and wipes because we didn't know they were going to be there. <laughs> no, and, and the mask thing is such a big deal right now because for a long time, I think a lot of people thought, well, I'll just get by with, you know, a handful of the uh, disposable surgical masks, which, of course, you guys have in abundance as well. Uh, but now as time goes on and we realize this is something that we're living with, more and more people like myself wanted to get a mask that was, you know, or a couple of masks that they can kind of rotate through, wash, keep, that fit perfectly, that have a look that you like, and you're not, you know, constantly, you you know, trying to find another uh, disposable surgical mask. So it's an opportunity for people to uh, find the kind of mask that, since we have to wear them all the time now, um, that they like and that they like the look of, and it fits right. I'm sure that's been a big part of what customers are looking for when they come in. Am I right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and the most exciting thing we just got in today is the Trump and Biden mask. So uh, maybe next week we think we're going to be able to judge who wins the election by how many mask sales we have with Trump or Biden. So ask me next week after we, we sell through them. Oh my God. Absolutely. For sure. And, um, and there's a lot of different um, there's a lot of different things in the sanitizer world, like not just the you know alcohol based hand sanitizer, but uh, wipes and hand sanitizer that are are uh, easier on your hands, and then like um, uh, disin- like room disinfectant, um, uh, like what looks like a humidifier, but is actually uh, cleaning the air as it uh, as it uh, humidifies the air. Like you have all of these really cool products there in the store. Yeah, we just had a customer that just came in about 30 minutes ago, and he said his son was reacting to those alcohol-based sanitizers, and we had an alternative, and we showed him that uh, hydrochloric acid, which is non-toxic for pets and kids, and they tried that on, and they just you know fell in love with it and bought several gallons of it. So uh, that I think that is going to be the biggest product 
uh, when people start using too much of the alcohol-based sanitizer and dries their skin out and they have allergic reactions. Uh, so we have uh, alternatives to that. Yeah. No, it, it's it's incredible how much stuff you guys have in these stores. And, um, you know, it just makes you feel a whole lot better about your preparedness when you go in and you're able to stock up on a lot of this stuff. We're talking to Gary Kelman. He is the owner of the sanitizer and masks store, one in St. Charles, one in Fairview Heights. Uh, Chris, you got a question for Gary? Yeah, I do. Uh, Gary, I'm kind of, you, my ears peaked up a little bit when you mentioned a hand sanitizer that was hydrochloric acid. Did you say that? Yeah. Now, my experiences with hydrochloric acid was in seventh grade science when we used to put shells in it. And it used to like dissolve them. How does how does that work? Well, it's hypochloric acid. Oh, I thought you said hydrochloric acid. Yeah, two different acids, Chris. Two different acids. <laughs> yeah. uh, maybe you didn't pass chemistry in seventh grade. <laughs> no, I, don't know, I didn't. But, obviously, I, I, I didn't pass it, so I had to learn that same name too over and over again. But Gary, the important thing there is that it's not as um, it, it's not as harsh on your hands and skin as the alcohol-based wipes and the alcohol-based sanitizers, which I think is an option that a lot of people are looking for that they don't even realize it was was an option, didn't even realize existed. Exactly, because it, they see the, all the ads uh, on on the major brands. They come in and tell us they they're looking for this major brand, and we we give them this alternative that's eighty times more effective than bleach. And once they learn about it, they they come back as regular customers every week. So it, it is it's amazing stuff made in Missouri. We buy a lot of stuff in Missouri. We probably have six or seven mask designers now that we buy from. So we're trying to support the local economy as well. And uh, you know, as we grow and we're adding new stores, new franchises in in the region too. And um, for people that want to stock up on, like, stuff for their work, like, you know, my we have a, a printing company, and my wife has been able to buy in bulk, basically, from you the surgical masks. So, you know, the employees at, their, at the businesses can be safe, too. So you guys have – and you guys have the, the signs that you can put on uh, your front door that say face masks required. So – not only can you stock up a person, but you can stock up small businesses that are, you know, trying to make sure that they have the necessities, you know, in this crazy coronavirus world. Yeah, I appreciate you mentioning that. We sell to a lot of the major corporations in the area because we bring in millions and millions of masks uh, and we and we supply, uh, you know, corporations all over the U.S. So we have the best price, even bigger, better pricing than the, the big box. Uh, so we can pride ourselves as a, as a small location, but great prices. Yeah, no, absolutely. And for people that want to learn more about the inventory that you guys have out there, how can they find you in person? And then, of course, also on uh, websites and social media, all that good stuff. Yeah, sanitizer and masks with an S dot store. Not dot com, but dot store. Yeah, very uh, cool, I think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, very unique. Everything what we are. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. We're a the store that has sanitizer and mask, and then are you just come to the Fairview Heights store or, or the uh, St. Charles store, and hopefully uh, we're trying to hit mid mid St. Louis here very soon uh, because we have people driving for an hour to come see us, see wow. our selection because we have some cool stuff. Uh, we, we're trying to go to the customer, uh, so we're working on that really diligently right now, and, and hopefully have some news next time and be able to tell you who's going to win the election by the mask. That's that is, that is so. Money. That is so funny. I've got to get out there and get myself one of each just 
to have a little bit of fun <laughs> with it. So, so the uh, next day you yeah. can say, hey, yeah, I knew. Masks in all different uh, styles and uh, levels and face shields and hand sanitizer and disinfectant wipes and actually much, much more, all available at the Sanitizer and Masks store. Again, that website is sanitizerandmasks.store. Gary, thanks so much for your time today, and thanks for uh, supporting the show. And uh, we'll talk to you real soon. We'll have to get the results and see uh, which uh, which mask sells better, Trump or Biden. That should be fun. Thanks, Chris yeah, and Tony. Appreciate sure. you having me on. You bet. Thank you. All right, that is going to do it for this edition of The Weekend Report. For producer Carl Middleman and my partner, Chris Arps, I'm Tony Colombo. Thank you so much for listening to The Weekend Report on 97.1 FM Talk. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Get more at 971talk.com. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com.